0: Originally the lead guitarist, singer, and songwriter with the early 80s New York punk band, Tension Envelopes, Tim Burns played CBGB's about a minute after it meant anything. He then moved to Colorado in a successful attempt to get sober, then spent time in Flashback, a classic rock and country band for about 10 years. After reuniting with the Tension Envelopes many years later, Tim decided to start writing again. Since then, he's released several DIY solo albums available on SoundCloud, resulting in the new compilation Electra available on iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming sites. Splitting time between fully orchestrated recordings and stripped down acoustic live performances, Tim Burns' lo fi literate punk will make you think and make you think about starting your own band. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, and sit down and talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Tim Burns. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. You bet. Yeah, this is... uh, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show, uh, because we met uh, back when you were hosting an open mic out in uh, Loveland, Colorado and you had taken over for maya bennett i think is that correct yep that one you decided night, yes. to yeah head out uh, so and uh, i i really love your stuff because it takes me back uh takes me back to to, to kind of like the early uh that that early 80s punk uh period and uh i i think it's i think it's pretty badass that you were kind of part of that scene so uh you said you had some uh opinions on on what
1: punk rock is and i'm curious what what is that uh well in my opinion I'm uh, getting my opinion face on here uh no my opinion punk rock um became codified so quickly i meant like when i first started going to cbgb's there was the ramones um uh, talking heads patty smith television bands had no- nothing in common you know stylistically or sonically and then um all of a sudden Uh, Richard Hell and the Ramones go to England, and boom, everyone's dressed like the Sex Pistols. I always thought that punk uh, rock meant, rule number one, that there were no rules. Some of the problems that I had with tension envelopes back in that day, uh, back in the day, as the kids' say, there was a little bit of classic rock and heavy metal mixed in with uh, our our songs, you know, because we'd all been playing in bands and, you know, quite frankly, already knew how to play guitar. Um, So we were like too, in a way, we were too punk for the hard rock crowd, too hard rock for the punk crowd, and there was an insane amount of tricking involved in those days.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you consciously see yourself as a punk band at the time, or was it only in retrospect that you saw that?
1: No, at the time, um, I just felt I would rather throw in with television than Boston. Mm-hmm. You know back in the day that would just, you know as corny as it is, that's the music that spoke to me. Uh, I was getting on a bus, I lived in upstate New York, and I was getting on a bus to go down downtown uh, to buy pharmaceuticals back in the day, and I saw an ad for the Village Voice for a club called CBGB's that I had never heard of. And it said, Patti Smith and Television were playing that night. Um, At this point, I was in a band that was playing Bad Company and Kiss Covers. Oh, okay. And I remember thinking, Television, what a cool name for a band. Long story short, I went down, I stayed for two sets, I went back every weekend. Seeing Patti Smith and Television, it was like, you can do that? It was just sweet, so so different, and uh, so I started writing songs. um, I I didn't fall into the three chord trap right away, you know, Uh like a lot of the bands. I just I just figured like all bets were off. You could do what you wanted, Um, and it 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 was very simple to uh, audition at CBG. But you basically just made a phone call. They put you on a list, but we auditioned on a Monday night with like six other bands and we're opening for a band called Red Transistor the following Saturday. So somebody likes something, and um, we had two different versions of the band. Um, there was another, another singer-songwriter in the band when we first started, and, uh, uh, she's not playing music anymore, lovely woman named Alison Ruda, and another drummer, my friend Tom Fromberger, and my friend, uh, they left the band, and my friend Rick Nebelung went from bass to guitar, and my friend Carl Simmons, who lives in Loveland now, uh, joined the band and it was the second version of the band that played gb's like seven times huh before before we broke up so when
0: you were back in those days how, how did you write music uh your how did you write your songs was it with the
1: band or did you pretty much do it on your own and then just bring it to the i band? would write them at home on an acoustic guitar i would bring them down to rehearsal and by the end of the night it was a completely different song because um everybody figured out their own parts we, we were we were uh, uh, kind of um, militant in that that no one ever told anybody else what to play. So Carl wrote his own bass line. Tom came up with his own drums, um, drum parts, and it just grew organically. But the basic lyric and framework was always mine. Was it, did that? Did it? Did it ever bother you? Did you ever feel like they butchered one of your songs, or or was that something you were just in the flow? I uh, you know uh, as corny as it sounds, it just flowed. Um, I can't think of anything that didn't get better. When uh, I brought those three people, you know, whoever those other three people were, you know, it, it was always better with a band. Now, now these days, it's been
0: it's been a while since you've had a regular band anyway. I mean, do you have people that you play with or is it
1: I mean, do you miss having a band
0: kind of uh, deconstructing your songs?
2: Um,
1: you know, now in the, the era of Garage Band, I can be the I can be the band. I can be the horn section. I can be the string section. I can bring in. Korean opera singers you know samples uh-huh. and stuff like that um as far as doing like my own material now live I I prefer to do it acoustically uh I, I've done some open mics you know looking hopefully doing some club shows in Denver now that I'm closer to Denver I want to uh hit the um uh, the Mercury Cafe uh-huh I really want to I really wanna play there. I saw Nico play there a hundred years ago and it's like oh, wow. okay, I can't play GBs again, but I can go play the club where I saw Nico. I get my live playing fix at Blues Jams now. Uh-huh. And I can just concentrate on playing guitar. You know, it's like my buddy Nembling Intention Envelopes once said, you know, you gotta decide whether you wanna be David Bowie or Mick Ronson and I'm like, No, I'm gonna be both. I'm gonna I'm gonna sing it and I'm gonna be the guitar hero. Well, let's. Uh, well, you brought in a couple songs here. We got one
0: of your acoustic songs, and we have one of your um, one of your more uh, 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 fully arranged recordings. Um, and and let, let's start off here with Martha Hoople, which is actually the recording you've given me is actually a live recording. Okay, this is Martha Hoople by Tim Burns. Hi, my
2: name's Tim Burns. I wrote these
1: songs so you wouldn't have to. This is called Martha Hoopo.
0: Great, great tune, great bit of nostalgia there, um, and some some great lines there. I really like the. Uh, uh, there was a time I put my heart on the line, knowing it could never be mine. Now the shades fade from the songs that we played with these cowboy chords and this cheap rhyme. That's that's a great, that's a great group of lines. There. Thank you. Well, so so let's talk about this. How did how did you put this song together? What inspired it?
1: Um. It- this is going to be so depressing. I I had a feeling it was going to be the last one for a while. Oh, interesting. You know, um, the way life was. Not to get too dark. It's just I, I just was having an, some some writer's block. You know, I, uh-huh. I, I hadn't I hadn't written anything for a while. A couple of the later things in Garage Man, I realized I was just like repeating myself and just I wasn't feeling incredibly inspired. And I had a feeling this would be the last one and then the pandemic hit and you know I think I'm just saving up all the pandemic energy for like one massive I don't know what it's going to be but it's going to be massive yeah um yeah and uh this is I just wanted to write a love song to rock and roll and uh try to capture a little bit of what it felt like uh playing cbgb's or you know even going back to my garage bands before that you know where we were playing bad company and kiss covers and trying to capture a little bit of the sadness that you know it's i'm still just doing it in my bedroom you know that, that that wasn't a success but then then you get into how do you define success you know so yeah um
0: what's your what's your regular i mean when you're when you're i mean do you sit down to write or do you, does something just kind of come to you like in the shower or when you're walking around i mean what how, how do uh, you how does it come together if
1: I, so i'll be i pick up my acoustic and i just start playing blues you know, just fiddling around with it, and then, you know, a, a chord progression will come out, and a line might pop into my head. But once I get a decent line, like with Martha Hoople, I walked around with, back when all the young dudes was new, I was young, and the drugs still worked for, like, seven years. Yeah. I just never, I, you know, I, I tried to write a song about Martha Hoople, who was, like, one of my favorite rock and roll bands of all time. And every time I did, it just sounded like a cheesy, fan club Martha Hoople song, so I just saved the line, and... When I wrote Martha Hoople, I, all these lyrics came out in 10 minutes.
2: Huh.
1: Yeah. Um, but it was something I had to think about. You know, what was I really trying to do? I mean, the world doesn't need a Tim Burns song saying Martha Hoople's great. You know, Martha Hoople know they're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and listeners, if you don't know Martha Hoople, by all means, check them out. They're great. Uh, and so I just tried to capture what it, you know, what it felt like to, go from the bedroom to the stage, I guess. And, you know, the, the nostalgia, like rock and roll is a loser's game. You know, only one in a million make it, but yeah. I still hear her call my name. I still want to do this. There's, the, You know, I, I, like I said, I write these songs so you don't have to. Well, it's funny. Yeah, it's
0: funny. Well, that's actually, that's an interesting catchphrase right there. I mean, how long have you been using that as a, I think I've heard you say that a couple of times. I've, used that,
1: I've been using that for a couple of years. Uh-huh uh I, I i love i love coming up with catchphrases like when i was playing in that classic rock band flashback uh-huh. we're all in our, our 40s and 50s at this point our our catchphrase one was we think we're the who uh-huh. and the, another one was we used to be your parents worst nightmare now we're just your parents that's <laughs> yeah 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 that's that sounds about right
0: you know i this this is a big thing like uh you know i've been I, i've been kind of I mean, I've been dabbling in music for a long time, but it's only been the last 10 years that I was tr- I've was i been trying to make a go of it as mm-hmm. as a pro. You know, it's never quite as, as much as I was hoping for, but nevertheless, it's hard to think about not doing it anymore. I mean, I'm pretty addicted to it. I mean, do you feel like it's, you know, you get to a point where it just, I guess you were thinking, I guess this was the last song you wrote a couple years ago before the one for this week. But I mean, you know, I mean, did it feel like that was, you know it's worthwhile doing even if you're not
1: super famous oh absolutely oh no if if it was about getting famous I, a i would have either quit 20 years ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: or i'd have joined a heavy metal band oh heavy metal really yeah just just been uh you know look at my fingers type guitar player i worked in a music store in the mid 80s uh-huh. early 80s when eddie van halen dropped and if you wanted any credibility with the customers, you had to be able to do all the two-handed stuff and play all oh, the flashy, yeah you know? so I have that that's a that's a, a, a what's the phrase uh, that's an arrow in my quiver that you're able you're able to do the Eddie Van Halen stuff is what you're saying I, yeah yeah well okay. not like Eddie Van Halen so well.
2: you know. uh,
1: no I could I could if I wanted to have been famous, I probably would have joined a heavy metal band but I, I wanted to uh, speak yeah. my mind and self-expression meant more to me than you know, Dressing up like the type of woman I want to meet backstage in a Motley Crue cover band, you know.
0: Well, okay. Well, we got another song. You brought in another song um, that's kind of does the the flip side of what you like to do, and you do a lot of home recordings. And uh, I used to, I would say, for about a decade, I was before I decided to go out and. And try performing. Uh, I was I was into home recording primarily. So, so I'm interested to hear how you put this this stuff together. We've got this is Fewer Fears by Tim Burns off of his new album Electra. <laughs>
2: To do any good do even get a watery grave The simplest of services Compliments of the state A box in which to save What's left to save Train and talk, in dark days and days It's the proper way I've been
0: Is fewer fears by tim burns off his new album electra and i absolutely love this song this is uh Thank just you. the lyrics are man they're they're killer i just the, i've been told no it's more like i've been warned i i love the way that you change that line you know halfway it makes it so conversational but just you know that we cannot be destroyed we can only be transformed uh, I don't know. man. There's just I mean almost every every word in this is 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 fantastic. I, I did you write since you, you this is this is more uh orchestrated um were you thinking about that while you were writing it uh or or do you just write them first and then you adapt them?
1: Uh on the recorded stuff 9 times out of 10 uh I put the musical track together with no thought to what the lyrics are going to be. Huh? Um, and well, you know, it starts with a, a drum loop, and usually I have like two or three drum loops going by the end, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, and and the drum loop will suggest a sound, you know. I'll hear, oh, okay, that's. You know, it's odd. I was talking about being a guitar hero. There's absolutely no guitar on this song, and very little on electric as a whole. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just got. I just get into making the synthesizer drum loop patterns, and there's some live bass on the record, but most of it's uh, synthesized. But um, I digress. Once the music, st- <clears throat> once the music starts building up, and I get an idea for the tone, that'll put me in a certain, point me in a certain direction lyrically this particular song, a little darker. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been accused of being dark, uh, but like Lou Reed said, everyone's dead at the end, end of Hamlet, but I'm dark. Um, <laughs> uh, this is about a guy um, who has committed suicide and um, is okay with it, uh, but he's hoping that he'll do better. You know, if he comes through. like, again, I've been told, no, it's more like I've been warned, we can't be destroyed, we can only be destroyed. I hope the next time I come back with better ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, this is a song about giving up.
0: You know, sometimes you get people that, that'll, you know, after you perform, they'll, they'll come up and ask you, and it's like, you know, I really like what you're doing, but I wish you would sing happier stuff. And I I don't get it. I don't always get it because I, I mean, I, I like sad songs, I like desperate songs. Uh, and I think what it is is, uh, they're therapeutic for me. I, I know some people. It's like when they're feeling down, they want to hear happy songs. But when I feel down, I want to hear dark and 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 sad
1: songs. And, I bring out the Joy Division. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot of room for that, and I I I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it makes the world a, a sadder place. I think it actually makes people that are that feel sad. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, for me, you know, I this would make me less likely to want to commit suicide after hearing a song like this.
1: Well, so. I like, I'm hoping that there are some very personal aspects of this song. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, mental hospitals and too much to drink. There were there were times when I would let myself go into under uh, psychiatric care rather than admit I was a drunk. I'd rather have people think I was nuts than a drunk. Yeah, and I'm a little both, you know, um, but just to be able to. Put it out there maybe somebody hearing that could relate to you know what they're going through you know because sometimes when you're in a dark down place happy music feels like a taunt you yeah. know and uh i have a song called uh morrissey isn't gonna live forever uh-huh and uh it's morrissey isn't gonna live forever but i'll be here to bring you down when he dies because everybody <laughs> deserves a song that sings themselves even you guys yeah. Even yeah. us guys, you know, it's, I've tried writing happy songs. You can ask my girlfriend. I've tried to write a love song. I just, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know I'll, it'll be going fine and fine. And all of a sudden I'll have to put in something about the battle of Tripoli or something. You know, I just, I go off the rails. I,
0: yeah, I'm, I, I'm totally with you. I, it's hard for me to write something that's just straight up happy. I mean, everything that I have that is kind of happy, it usually has something, uh, something kind of. I don't know, some layer to it of sadness or or, or desperation. I know there have been songs, I, I, I do sometimes, I think I have a natural pop sensibility to some degree. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I act to stifle it. I'll actually take like a really happy tune and I'll try to come up with like alternate chords that'll make it a little bit more unsettling and then uh uh you know change the lyrics so they're not quite so so happy i i I, there was one song that i wrote um it was a really kind of happy sing-songy tune and Uh i decided to you know it sounded like something you could you know might sing in a uh like a schoolyard you know in a schoolyard with with school kids or something and so i was like okay well i'm just gonna have to make it into a schoolyard taunt song and that'll be a little bit more palatable to my taste mm.
3: um
1: so I, I i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying so yeah but by the same token you don't want to write at least i don't want to write something that's like unremittingly bleak you sure. know that that doesn't have any uh sense of hope or redemption somewhere you know and in this one i hope i come back with better ideas you know when I when I start deep, I started deep thinking the songs, knowing I was going to be doing this show. When I started deep thinking, I'm like, well, maybe it's a suicide note for all of humanity. They realize they've screwed stuff up, and we're on. You know, we're clearly on our way to blowing everything up, and you know, just hoping that some of us realize that we can try again and you know, rise from the ashes and all that. But I think it's more just about me. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that's, that's something uh seems to the come personal, up as... The personal is universal. Exactly. If you, if you play it right, you know? Exactly, exactly. And in fact, uh, I think the last last person I had on, we were talking about how sometimes, you know, even the more micro-specific that you get with those details, that, that those sometimes often spark, um, you know, more... more genuine feeling in, in other people than if you were to go with kind of more kind of generalized uh, platitudes or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I that's man, that's just a, a a fabulous song. And it's and it's really interesting to hear how you've you constructed the the, the musical part ahead of time, because I know that that's my understanding is that most pop songs these days are constructed that way. It's a, I guess it's something that's called top lining that you'll have a producer that mm-hmm. brings in some sort of, you know, kind of groove track uh, with, you know, I guess maybe some basic chord changes or whatever. Then they send it out to a bunch of different songwriters and they have them all write lyrics for it. And then what they do is they, they the, the producer will actually pick and choose the lines that they like or the melodies that the, the, uh, that those songwriters come from. And so when you hear those, you see those like songs that are kind of like these uh, songwriter inflation type songs where they have like, you know, five or 10 different Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what's apparently going on is that they've sent it I out to I did not know that. That yeah. is intriguing. I just found out about this a year or two ago myself and I think it's, a, it's fascinating. So, so I've been kind of wanting to do a little bit of what you're doing right now, which is not that I have any interest in splitting my songwriting up with other people in that fashion, but the idea of mm-hmm. taking a produced track and writing to that, I think is a, um, kind of just an interesting idea
1: i i I haven't done it yet and i'd I'd like to give it a shot so yeah that would be interesting yeah so well lately uh i just got this new laptop uh like all the stuff that's on electra was recorded on like a 15 year old macbook a friend gave to me Uh and uh so i learned how to use GarageBand on that um with the the material that's on electra Now, whatever comes out next, I'm still learning how to operate the new version of GarageBand, which is like 10 years ahead of its time, and it's doing Mm -hmm. different things that um, I'm still learning how to use it.
2: So I'm hoping
1: to have something um, within six months. Remember the days when rock and roll bands put out two albums a year? Yeah, yeah. Elvis uh, Costello put out three in 1977. Well, the Beatles were putting out like
0: two or three. Well, the Beatles, I guess they were they were cutting their albums up and releasing them as multiple things. So that, that may not count, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's uh, yeah. There no, was but a period. Back in the
1: 60s, where... That was just industry standard. Every six months, somebody had an album. Yeah. And speaking of the Beatles, I don't know if, uh, I may be out of the loop on this, but I was, you know, listening to old Beatles stuff on YouTube. My favorite period being when they played in, uh, uh, the star club in Germany in 62. Uh, uh-huh. they're, they're speeding their brains out playing Chuck Berry songs. They sounded like the sex pistols, but, um, it, was a rec- uh, it sounded like the single of uh, Tell Me Why, and they're playing it, and like eight bars in, somebody cracks up or somebody plays the wrong note, and they all start laughing, and then one, two, three, four, and it's the single again. They were pulling that stuff off live in the studio. I Want to Hold Your Hand, stuff like that. I mean, the early, early years.
3: Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And yeah, I guess I knew that intellectually, but that just blew my mind. Well, yeah, they were a
0: they were a battle hardened band. I mean, they had they had just been playing their asses off. Uh, You know, what's what's interesting about those uh, those Germany shows is like seems like every five years they come up with a new way of remastering that cuts through the crackle and it just gets better and better. And you really get to hear it. it. Does Yeah, yeah. So, hey, so you said you'd been um, doing DIY recordings for uh, a couple decades. And so did you used to use those uh, Tascam 4-Track? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I have, I actually still have one of those in my uh, closet here. Um, I, I love that thing, but it's it's amazing how much easier it is to use something like GarageBand,
1: right? Oh, I mean, Lord. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm a technophobe and I've been able to whittle away enough of it to do what I want to do. And so far. And I'm just looking forward to discovering new things about it. But, yeah, I was working at Alto Music in Muncie, New York. Salute. Uh, <laughs> 1983, when the first shipment of those came in. Yeah. And I bought one of the first ones out of the store. I've been recording stuff. Now, back in the, back in my drinking days, you know, things got lost and mm-hmm. moved. and ba- I still have a bag of cassettes upstairs of mastered stuff. But my friend Carl Simmons, who was the bass player in Tension Envelopes back in the day, he's converted everything going back to the early 80s. He's got two Tension Envelope shows and just a compendium of stuff that I've done over 40 years. And he's got it all digitized. And I need to get a hold of all of that again and you well, know, yeah. start putting out you – know, um, the box set, my first album will be a 10 CD box set. That'll kill everybody.
0: Well, you've got, you got, I mean, I, I, I look forward to you starting to release this stuff. And, you know, the, if you've got, you know, uh, four decades worth of material, I mean, that's like great for release fodder, right? When you're, I mean, because online you're supposed to start, you know, releasing something like once every week or whatever and, yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, build up that anticipation. I, I, I look forward to when you get that stuff out there. So, I yeah. figure out
1: of 300 songs, I should be able to find 12 that are good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's that's awesome. That's that's amazing stuff. Okay, we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the prompt song or the list of prompts that I sent Tim and uh, find out what he chose and then hear the songs that we came up with from that. So we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the raw songwriting podcast. I am talking to singer songwriter, Tim Burns. And uh, as is customary about a week ago, I sent him a list of prompts, uh, writing prompts for him to choose from. And uh, I'm gonna read those off to you here. Uh, The random word I sent was zoilism, which is the practice of making bitter carping and belittling critical judgments, random style, Uh, write a song in the style of the arctic monkeys random fact despite mercury being the closest planet to the sun venus is the warmest planet random quote i'm sick of following my dreams i'm just going to ask them where they're going and hook up with them later and then the fearless prompt coming from timmy Reardon's fearless songwriting uh, program uh is the gaze of winter and it has a picture of a uh woman looking at snow falling uh and if you're interested in f- getting involved with timmy reardon's uh, uh fearless songwriting program just go to uh timmyr.com all right but uh but yeah uh tim what yes. what did you what, what what was the prompt that you chose and and uh you know were there any that you you know that you decided that you almost went with or
1: uh, I, I, I z- uh, zoomed right in on uh, Zoolism or Zoolism. Uh The practice of making bitter carping And belitt- belittling critical judgments Because uh, I have a tendency to make bitter carping And belittling <laughs> critical <laughs> judgments uh, I used to have a blog Called Punk Rock Blues Where I, I fancied myself something of a rock critic uh-huh. uh, You know how most rock critics are? They say they're frustrated musicians I'm a frustrated rock critic yeah, I, mean, I want I wanted to be Lester Banks. I th- I think I still kinda want to be Lester Banks. Lester Banks is somebody to wanna be. So Oh man. Yeah. And write a song in the style of the Arctic monkeys. I have no idea what they sound like. I know the name. Uh-huh. Uh and the other two I just didn't know. I just gravitated immediately to Zoolism. That's great. That's great.
0: So all right. And um well let's take a listen to to what you came up with. All right, this is Zoalism by Tim Burns, and it is his uh, contribution to the challenge uh, this week. And here we go. the
2: Let's get He calls in the sitcom Just me and he was home There was a centuries-long game of telephone Ultimately on his transcription And that bit was rich Past the peace, so full suspicion. Everybody with a single hat in me head been on so good. And survive. Everybody knows they were coughing, unjustified. Belittling, judgments, and no way could sign. Coughing, Learn such harsh and thick to go from an ancient Greek grammarian to an actual adjective.
1: Oh, I can see it now.
2: Amen, King Agamemnon, say. It just been great So let us Cust through time he was,
3: cynical. He doesn't mean he was
0: wrong. so so good uh, i just uh <laughs> the rhymes the rhymes in this are ridiculous transcription fiction suspicion and bitchin that's just <laughs> that's just i oh Thank man <laughs> no i just uh, Again, I just I, I, I just admire your your way with lyrics. What was it like working with a prompt and uh, and kind of adding this historical context to the songs?
1: It was great because you know I, I had a, I had a starting point, you know, which I never really I've never worked off of somebody else's prompt before. And so I looked up Zoalism and uh, really, the only definition is pretty much what you sent in the prompt. You know, and I, you know, I went a little bit deeper. Um, found out that basically he got the reputation for criticizing the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and I just I was fascinated by what could have what could somebody have done to have their name attached to an ism. You know, and yeah. like, and again, like, well, how bad could it have been? You know, and it just that just started make me thinking about uh, the guy himself. That his his name is in the dictionary i guess at this point we went, and i wouldn't call him a household word but you know yeah. uh depending on how academic the household is um but just the fact that you know it's it, the guy that we don't know what he wrote but we know it was carping and malignant and unjustified you know it's it makes you wonder you know for every uh for every homer there's a Zoelist. and yeah. and who else who else was he criticizing you know who did Zoelus like if he didn't like homer you know i mean it made me think about everyone that's been lost you know like for every sex pistols there's attention envelopes you know nobody knows who they are but they were there yeah Uh, i don't know it just uh, i just thought it was unfair to the dude that you know well
0: well, he got killed right i mean he actually got killed for it so oh i love
1: the, the the um he either got crucified for criticizing the king or he got thrown alive on a funeral pyre or thrown off a cliff i mean they don't even they they have uh multiple examples of how he died, but it was always that, that for being critical.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, well, I, it's it's interesting try, trying to think of
0: somebody who's, I don't know, it's sort of like somebody who uh, uh, got famous for criticizing the Beatles or something like that. You know, some, some sacred cow, something that's considered to be like the greatest kind of a benchmark in
1: in in a culture uh well you know uh, i know the guy i know the name of the guy who wrote the who panned sergeant pepper in the new york times richard greenstein it was it was the, the top line of his obituary when he passed away but i don't know if he's going to get to the point where it's actually an ism
3: yeah yeah you know? well
1: that,
0: that takes talent to be to annoy that many people <laughs> that you actually get in the <laughs> dictionary. <I'm, chair. laughs> I love the you know what he
1: wrote it. Must have been good. You know, I'm I'm, t- I'm terrible. I much prefer a bad review, reading a bad review than a good review. I think they're more fun to read. They're, they're definitely more fun to read. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's totally true. Well,
0: so uh, so why don't you just walk us through this? What was the kind of the nuts and bolts behind writing this? How did how did it uh, you know how did you first approach it and what came first and, and lyrics?
1: First? Oh, I wrote the lyrics in their entirety, and I kind of heard the melody in my head as it was going along. Long, Cause it's it's your, again your cowboy co- chords and a cheap rhyme. Uh-huh. It's it's all basic G B minor C D stuff. Uh, you know your basic folk stuff. So I felt to tell a story, but the lyrics were I wrote the lyrics in their entirety. Uh, I had to I had to fix a couple of things. Uh, I really I did more research and more editing on this song than I think I've ever done in my life. I usually just oh interesting, splat them out there and move on to the next one. But I literally went on to. Uh, Sites where I could hear someone pronounce the names. Like, I noticed I didn't even change the lyric here. Uh, uh, in the song, it's like, why so much hate for Ajax the Great? I looked up the Iliad to get characters, you know, so I can put them in the song. I've never read the Iliad. So this was this was definitely stepping out of your,
0: your usual uh, uh method so i mean i mean is it something that you think you might go back to trying to do oh, something? absolutely
1: no absolutely i never it never dawned on me well I, I i didn't need to research most of my songs because you know however hidden it was i was writing about me yeah and sure. my, my own experiences but this was this was interesting to just totally get outside the box and i kind of half expected i was just going to write a carping bitter and malignant song about Let's just say current events and leave it at that. Yeah, this just came to me. Uh, actually, the first line was, and I can't believe this is how I sum up the Iliad and the Odyssey. There was a centuries-long game of telephone
2: <laughs>
1: that ultimately earned a transcription, and then I had to work at the okay. What rhymes? What rhymes with transcript? Fan fiction. Okay, you know, and and it just snowballed from there. But um, once I had the words done, I had the melody in my head. I tried. I tried to like. This one version, it was almost like an old uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. Uh huh, uh huh. Sing us a song as old as, you know, it was going to be like a murder ballad, but I went with this, which is, you know. Um, I just call them G to D songs, you know. Uh huh, uh huh. And, I, you know, you're talking about, not to interrupt, but you're talking about tangents. I kind of went off on a couple. Uh, the, I I think you know there the, there may be a 27 verse version of this in my future. Ah, okay. Uh, it just one thing led to another, like uh, calling people out on their fantasies when all they want to do is fantasize. Apparently, what got is in so much trouble, is that he accused uh, Homer of spreading uh, fables and mm-hmm. fairy tales, and then at the end, um, what was it? Who is he to talk about our gods that way? And who is he to say that there was never a plague? I almost felt like I was writing about the MAGA nation. Uh, the, the witch, I'm sorry? The, oh, the MAGA? Make America Great, the charm Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, you know, because I don't know what uh, Zola said about uh, the Odyssey, but I'm assuming he didn't like, the, you know, he called him Fable, so I'm assuming he the people didn't like the way he talked about their gods. Yeah, yeah. And there was a plague in the Iliad, and plague basically rhymed. So I don't know if I don't know if he said there wasn't a plague, but that's the line that came out. And it made me think of you know like the COVID deniers. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, people uh, who really want to share their faith with us. Let's put it that way. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. But, no, no, it's all it's all good.
0: You got. Uh, but I mean, well, I, I, never, I could,
1: never thought you'd hear me say that. I don't want to offend anybody. Well, I you used, ended I used, up. Go ahead. Back in my punk days, it was like I tried to go out of my way to offend everybody. And now its I used to be a troll. I used to yeah. uh, get be a, a, a flamethrower. Uh, what do they call it? Keyboard warrior. Uh-huh. Get into flame wars with strangers. And it's like, then everybody else started doing it. You know? And I saw what it looked like. So I just, I don't troll anymore. I try not to. And it's hard, you know, because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. hand you stuff. Mm-hmm. But then...
2: Um,
1: I'm kind of the same
0: way there was definitely a point where I thought um I was convinced that in order for art to be really great it had to be offensive in some way um art is meant to disturb not yeah. enter- not entertain yeah but I don't I don't know I'm I'm a lot more mellow about that now I guess uh I, I think there is room for pure entertainment but uh but I appreciate stuff that shakes the shakes the foundations as well um well like
1: I can't be as cynical as you need to be anymore. Yeah. You know, people used to tell me I was too cynical and after the events of the last four years, I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a stand. It's like, oh, my God. All the all the things I was cynical about, you know, are real. And, and yeah. every every online conversation turns into trolling amateur night. And I just, yeah, you know, but I'm, I'm sure it's something I will write about. You know, I, I have like six basic tracks ready uh for the new record i shouldn't be talking about the new record i'm hyping the actual record uh i'm always i I always want to move on to the next one you know now that this uh, this this has done a lot to kickstart me lyrically i think i've been able to write tracks and coming up with chord changes and so
0: you're actually so so since this has just been the last week since i sent you these these prompts and since then have you gone on to write like a lot more songs i mean is that what's happening no
1: no no, not yet not yet no okay. um i've been working on putting instrumental tracks together
0: oh ah, okay on okay.
1: garage man but ever since i started doing this it's like oh yeah you can write words you know now I, th- I think a metal block is gone a lot of that has to do with the pandemic you know because yeah. martha hooper was right at the beginning of the pandemic and a lot of changes in my life my girlfriend and i had to move very quickly and readjusting to you know the beautiful control room i'm in now i mean (laughs) they have a great house her kids are great life life is wonderful and i guess i'm having a little trouble getting used to that you know because life hasn't always been wonderful like maybe that's why i haven't been able to write because life was wonderful well
0: that's the yeah it's like uh, i know i have a harder time being as as cynical as i used to be because i'm a little bit happier than i used to be that it's been tricky um well hey i uh i always i always like to ask this of all my guests but uh i guess first off do you consider this to be a, a finished song and if not how would you go about uh, revising
1: it uh I, I I as I was writing it I was hearing horns in the background and background vocals and stuff mm-hmm. like that and uh, I would not be surprised if a couple of weeks from now I have a full-blown recorded version of this sweet yeah well but so it's, it's, so, it's so most weird of it to, have, just, a, to you know, have a song that's written from beginning to end uh-huh You know i mean as far as doing it at an acoustic open mic night or something like that or you know an acoustic show if anybody wants to hire a uh, old folk singer um i like i could do it the way it is it's Mm -hmm. the arrangement is pretty much there you know i got the middle eight where i want and i got the the end where it stops with the actual adjective i feel like snoopy on top of the doghouse with that actual adjective line it's like you know I still got it. Um, but uh, as soon as I figure out a way to um, get the acoustic guitar and the vocals on two separate tracks, uh-huh. then I could, I could definitely see building up from there and uh, start writing that way again, rather than just going from the instrumentals and then putting the lyrics on top. I, you know, this, I think this is going to help me get back to starting from the lyrical space. Well, this is a, I think this is a fantastic song. And if, if I had
0: some small part in getting you going again on writing, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I,
1: I want to hear more stuff from you. So, I'll pay, please, please give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. This, this gave me a kick in the, you know, this is great, a lot. great stuff.
0: Well, all right. Well, um, I wrote a song based on this prompt as well. And I guess I failed to actually get it to you. Uh, so this will be the first time you've heard it as well. And this was, I don't know, I've been doing this a lot lately, but this is definitely a last minute song because I wrote this. Uh, I think I i had a little bit of it uh, two days ago, but almost like I'd say 99% of this I wrote last night. But this is called Worth My While. And it's by yours truly, David Coyle. And it is my contribution to the, uh, the challenge this week. Uh, the challenge being the word zoilism. Here we
4: go. Well, I heard you call me lazy. I'm a slacker, I'm a leech. I heard you say I'm just a drain on our society. Hands full of nickels, full of dimes, to rent my skills, to pay my bills, till nothing left is mine. But I create the sunshine, and now I draw the line. Why don't you make it worth my while?
3: Why don't you make it worth my?
4: opportunity the chance to build my character to build integrity you say it's nice to sacrifice the means for the ends a gainful job to polish knowledge
0: Well before I before I jump into talking about it here, I just uh Oh, by the way, that was that was worth my while by yours truly, David Coyle. It's my contribution to the challenge this week. Um yeah, before I go into it, uh is there anything that just jumped out at you jumped out at you from from the song?
1: A gainful job to polish knobs for you and all your friends. That's like Dylan esque. <laughs> that, that that hit me right between the eyes
0: thank you good yes that's that that's my favorite line in the whole thing that that just uh yeah yeah i figured i had to keep that sucker in there so (laughs) um yeah uh well this one was i I have a current events group that i facilitate on on wednesdays and uh, we had one of the stories we were we were looking at was the uh there's the story out right now where there's a lot of restaurant owners that are and and maybe just retail uh businessmen that are complaining about people being too lazy to work and uh so i kind of went off on that story i guess a little bit and i it dovetailed a little bit with um you know one of the big complaints about working artists is that people are always asking them for stuff for free yeah and uh and then they oftentimes if they just ask for a fee they'll get lambasted uh by whoever's asking know, it's like you should be doing it because you love it that's all you need is the love um so this song was kind of written with that in mind uh and i didn't really i i didn't end up looking up uh zoilus uh until until you brought it up and uh so i was just kind of going off the the caustic rant and and i wasn't sure who was going to be the caustic ranter in the song i wasn't sure if it was it's kind of it's kind of a caustic rant about a caustic rant by other people i i thought it was kind of a little bit tricky because i was trying to figure out the right chords i spent a lot of time with the why don't you make it worth my while part because i was trying to work out those chords uh and the uh the first chord in that just didn't sound right and i spent way too much time on it and i do shift between the keys between uh the verse and the chorus and that kind of settled it a little bit but um but yeah i spent way too much just time singing that why don't you make it worth my while part um and I wanted to do something kind of punk, and I, I didn't. I, it, it's maybe a little <laughs> bit more more classic rock.
1: Oh uh, no, but you no, know, but there's that that slamming anger in there. Yeah. That, you know. I, I yeah, I wanted to get that in there. So so at
0: least yeah. that that got in there. Um, and yeah, yeah. So this was I, you know, I think it's an interesting song. I, you know, some, for me, I, I think I probably hate all my songs right after I write them, and then I have to kind of you know, let them simmer for a little bit. So
1: I'm not sure how this is going to settle in a I couple days. I can see days. this one. I can see an audience identifying with this. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Why don't you make it worth my while? You know, because it's a good point that you're bringing up. Yeah. It, I think my concern, I don't write a lot
0: of political songs anymore, at least. I. It seems like they came more naturally back in the day. But even then, I would kind of couch them in uh, metaphor. Mm-hmm. And so this is a pretty straightforward one. Uh, and I, I think I have a tendency to worry about being too preachy and, and I see the way that you write songs, you know, I, I admire how you do it because you're just so clever with the way that you do it and you're, you're able to be both straightforward, but it just really works, you know, and, 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 and I worry about this one being a little bit, a little bit too straightforward, but, but again, time will tell so let's see if i were to revise this i don't feel like it's a finished song uh it's definitely a first draft um i think uh you know i don't know if i need a bridge or something i don't really i kind of have a bridge it's a short bridge i mean i like short
1: and sweet songs so it, yeah. it may just fine this one you can, well, I can it, easily you have, have like a solo a, or something use a bridge as a pre-chorus to go back into the the, the title chorus because that's the hook yeah the way i'm hearing it which is the what the pre the pre-chorus being
0: but i create the sunshine or which part do you consider the well pre-chorus? i
1: mean um a, a middle eight or a bridge like you said going into the, and i create the sunshine Oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, You know, just to give it another level of build up. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't even, I don't usually think in that direction. I'm just trying to work with. You. Sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, this is a good. This would be a good song for having a solo or something. So if I had a, you know, somebody who could, you know, rip it on a guitar, then they'd be good there too. So might be a good band recording, but. But anyway, that's that's what that, that's my contribution. So hey, Tim. Hey, this David. has been. This has been a fabulous time. We have come to the portion of, of the podcast where uh, I invite you to promote anything that you've got going on. So uh,
1: anything that you want to promote? Well, I would like to uh, add and repeat that uh, I, my new album, Electra has just this week become available on Spotify and iTunes. It's 10 songs I've recorded over the last four years uh, through GarageBand, uh, where I'm playing all the instruments there were air quotes there because i type it on the keyboard <laughs> um but it's a one-man band thing and I'm, I'm really proud of it and i i hope your listeners uh take the time to check it out and uh, i can you can, if you want to make fun of my appearance here or, or any of my songs you can always get a hold of me at tim.burns at mail.com the most boring email address in the world uh tim again thank you
0: so much for coming on this has been a, a fantastic uh, uh discussion i I've, I've i've learned a lot from you and i and i really truly do uh, uh admire your 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 skills and uh i look forward to hearing all the, the music you got coming up and i have listened to your album
1: uh and i think it's really it's really great so well thank you thank you for having me and i just want to say um first time i saw you at an open mic was at the old um a loco artisan, yeah, local artisan and, coffeehouse. And, and you did a Christmas song in minor key. It sounded like a Russian murder ballad. I'm like, oh. there's my people. <laughs> 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 no, I, 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 I admire, a lot. I admire your work as well. And this oh. is, you've made this has been a blast. I really appreciate it. You're, you're very kind. You're very kind. So.
0: All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Uh, Be sure to like and review the podcast, and and you can follow me on Twitter at David L. Coyle or on Facebook at Dave Coyle's Musical Extravaganza. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting.
2: Sing us a song, and so let's,
1: let's give Zoelliss a song. Just because he was cynical, doesn't mean he was wrong. But it's a centuries long game of telephone, that ultimately under transcription. Half of it was wishful thinking, the other half fan fiction. And if they had a list, it hit the top of the list, it was a masterpiece of suspicion. And everybody reckless, they knew how to behave, but then all Zola's commenced to bitchin'. Yeah, sing us a song, Zoalus. So let's, let's give Zoalus so a song. Just because he was cynical doesn't mean he was wrong. Now nobody knows exactly what he said, because none of it is right and survived. Everybody knows it was carping, malignant
2: and unjustified. Bitter and belittling, critical judgments, and that's no way to criticize. Only
1: people out on their fantasies when all they want to do is spare a I mean, how bad could it have been Earned such harsh invective The gold from an ancient Greek grammarian To an actual adjective I can see it now He made King Agamemnon say Things King Agamemnon would never say And who is he to talk about our gods that way and who is he to say that there was never a play And why so much hate? But Ajax the Great To so let's curse his name through
2: time Even though we've never read a line Sing us a song
1: of so Let's give Solaris a song Just because he was cynical Doesn't mean that he was wrong Just because he was cynical Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that he was wrong